center and coming in is Loom. Millendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is a Monday, December 4th with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. It's Pat Steinberg along with you as we kick off the sports drive for Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Yeah, we are coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on this Monday. And I am fascinated by what the future looks like for another Flames defenseman. So we know that Nikita Zadorov has been traded to the Vancouver Canucks. I'm really interested now. I mean, I'm interested in all the uh, UFAs, but it was actually Eric Francis who got me thinking about this on Friday, and I've been thinking about it ever since. And I just really am intrigued as to what comes next for Chris Tanev and where things go with Tanev. Because I think the sentiment for many is that the team's going to trade in between now and the trade deadline, especially because multiple reports from a number of weeks ago suggested that the initial extension talks between Tanev and the Flames had them very far apart. So I don't think it's a poor read to suggest that they might end up being traded, or he might end up being traded, rather. But Francis brought up the idea of re-signing Tanev and extending him on Friday's Eric Francis Hour. And basically, his idea was knowing the type of leader he is, knowing the type of pro he is, knowing the type of example he sets every time he steps on the ice, if the team is looking to go younger, would he not be a great guy to have around with a younger group of defense? If they're going to trade Zadorov, which they have, if they're going to trade Hannafin, which they might, if they're going to bring in Solovyov and maybe Poirier when he gets healthy, um, is, is Tanev not a guy that you might want to retain for another couple of years? Because, I mean, I think the logic is sound in that, I mean, why wouldn't you want that guy around your young players? Like, from a straight up, is there a better example in this league of a guy who leads by example? I, like, Tanev, Tanev does it every time he steps on the ice. I mean, I can only speak to the Calgary Flames in that regard because I don't have a great read on 31 other teams in terms of is this guy the best in the NHL at that but he's certainly your guy in that regard here he's I've, I've said it before I'm sure you've said it before he is the defensive version to me of Michael Backlund and that extends in terms of being a fixer being a leader showing young guys the way and for me, this conversation, I'm fully open to having a conversation about keeping Chris Tanev around because signing Tanev to an extension isn't necessarily a roadblock to getting more youth into the lineup simply because the Flames don't have an abundance of youth ready to right. make the jump. And for the ones that are ready to make the jump, and we'll find out if Ilya Solovyov is one of those guys who's ready to do it on a full-time basis, you're right, there really isn't a better guy in the Flames dressing room if you're a young defenseman trying to cut your teeth in the NHL and looking around and being like, you know what? I'm just going to do absolutely everything that Chris Tanev does and follow him around like a puppy because he's clearly got it figured out, and that's a guy I want to learn from. So from that perspective, I'm absolutely willing to have a conversation about extending Chris Tanev. At the same time, I can't help but think he's going to be incredibly highly coveted prior to and leading into the trade deadline. 
and the assets that he might return might be too much for me to go, you know what? Asset management versus re-signing to uh, an extension. I might have to take the assets just because he is you've jumped that coveted. You've jumped way ahead. But here's but I think that's an important part of the conversation well, to re-signing him versus well, moving him. Of course, him. but you've uh, We'll get there. Don't worry, I got more. Here's Elliot. This is You've spoiled the Elliot Friedman clip, essentially. Uh, I'm just giving you a hard time. Here's Elliot Friedman. This is on the 32 Thoughts podcast that came out earlier Monday, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, a little bit more on the Chris Tanev situation. We know Elliot reported on Saturday that the Leafs were all over both Sidorov and Tanev, trying to get them both. And here's a little bit more on Chris Tanev from Mr. Friedman on the latest 32 Thoughts. I'm getting some mixed messages. I had a couple people who called me on Sunday who said that, A, Tanev will take longer to trade because he's making more money than Zadorov. At this point in time, there was only one team that could take all of Zadorov's salary that wanted him, and that was Vancouver. So since Tanev makes more, it's even more complicated. And, you know, I had a couple of people who think that Calgary makes another run to sign him. Now, I don't know what the likelihood of that is or isn't, but I, I, I did have a couple of people who think that Calgary will try to keep him. Okay, so that's just a little bit more to the conversation from Elliot Friedman. Uh, and that comes from the latest 32 Thoughts podcast. Him and Jeff uh, with that latest one. It's a good one. There's lots in there all around the league, uh, available wherever you get your podcasts right now. Would you, and this is not just to you, but this is just overall, would you re-sign Tanev on another two- or three-year deal at around the same money? And I don't know whether that would placate what Tanev and his camp are looking for. I don't. Um, because I think that there is something to be said for him of, hey, you've had a damn good run in Calgary. You have upped your stock that much more, and it was very high prior to his time with the Flames. And I think it has just continued to go up since he got here. So maybe he's looking for a longer deal, one more deal in the four-plus range. I don't know. But on a two- or three-year deal at around the same money, Vix, I would absolutely consider it for all the reasons that we talked about. But I wouldn't be going down that road until I absolutely was certain that I have, I, I'd gotten the good read on what is out there and what you could get back from him, for him in a trade. And I say that because I do think you need to find yourself a threshold of when you'd go trade and when you wouldn't. Because I think with this player, there is the potential that you could get more than a lot of people expect at the deadline and, and or right around the deadline. You know, there's a lot of talk about, well, the market should have been higher for Zadorov, and I thought that he should have gotten this, and they didn't get that, so that's a fail of a trade. George, I'm looking at you. Um, I like to pick on George because he's a regular on, on the postgame show. But... George and Collars and Vix and Pat don't set the market. The market sets the market, and the market is 31 other general managers. So what we think a player is worth doesn't necessarily mean that's actually what a player is worth on the NHL trade market. And I just feel like sometimes, and I think Zadorov's a perfect example of us on the outside who really have no clue what the market is, overvaluing a player on what the market might be. That's not a shot at what Zadorov is, but I think it's very clear that he was overvalued in this market in terms of what he could get back. 
And you could make the argument, well, no, it's Conroy's job to, to get what I think they should have got. Fair enough. That's, you, can, you can have that opinion. But I think Tanev has the potential to go the other way in that you might ballpark something and then say, holy bleep, they got that for Chris? Because I think he is that coveted a player or the type of player teams covet going into long playoff runs. His shutdown ability, like the hockey side of things, he could be the softest player on the planet. He could be Steinberg on skates. Ooh. That's soft. Charmin. That is, oof. Sorry. Like, Sorry, buddy. That was kind of a cheap shot, but. Six ply. Um, he, just from being a straight up hockey player, he is damn good defensively. He is, I think, one of, if not the best player of skating the puck out of trouble on the team right now. His defensive reads, his defensive pivots, his outlet passes are they don't get enough they don't get enough credit for how good they are. And then on top of it, he is straight metal and yeah. we we know what he's willing to do from the warrior standpoint. I just think guys like that, you've got the like you take a look at some years, Ben Sherratt and what he got, or you know, different defensemen that you're like, oh, I, I wouldn't have expected him to get asset X, but they do. I think Chris Tanev could be that guy at the deadline. So that's why I think you need to do your due diligence and then some in terms of what you might get for him and then make your decision. Okay, we have we have pounded the pavement. We have talked to everybody who's interested. We have pushed and, and looked for the return that we think is what he is worth. Let's now go back and have the conversation about extending, see where that goes, and then you can weigh your options and find out what side of the threshold you're on. I'm going to go 19 different directions here, and if it doesn't form a coherent paragraph, well, then that's on me. But I think you go back to the clip from Elliot Friedman where, okay, the Zadorov return was what it was because there was one team that was interested that had the ability to absorb his entire cap hit. Well, as you move closer to the deadline, you're going to have a lot more teams that are going to be able to absorb a cap hit from Chris Tanev. You layer in on top of the fact that you are able to retain on that and retaining at the trade deadline for the remainder of the season on a pending unrestricted free agent is, quite frankly, a lot more affordable than it is retaining on Zadorov at this point. And so you've kept your three spots. So I think you're right in the sense that you go about and you do your due diligence. I'd be very fine with taking the old... Uh, Brian Burke, Mike Camilleri approach where, okay, we're going to set this price. If nobody comes to us with what we're asking, we're just going to keep the guy. Remember the uproar about not trading Mike Cam? It was Mike Camilleri, was it, it not? It was, it was. I just think you have to be careful on that. I think that you have to be okay taking a little so bit gonna lower wait. than your price. I'm, if it's going to be, if you're if you're asking for a first and a prospect, and I'm not saying that you could for Tanov, I'm just saying, if you're asking for a first and a prospect and they're offering you a sixth and a seventh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I, I think that there is a, there, well, I'm gonna a layer buffer in the, on either. I'm going to layer in the next part, which is the, do you look at re-signing him? Because I think at that point, you have a good understanding of what he's asking for, what you're comfortable doing. And you go, you mentioned the, would you go two or three on a similar cap hit? Well, before I knew this was going to be a topic, I wrote down, I wouldn't hate him on a two-year at a similar cap hit. Three years, I might get a little squirrely on. You think that he would sign? I don't you? think he would, but if, for the purposes of I'm looking at this from a team perspective, I would much rather have a Chris Tanev turns 34 this month, if I'm not mistaken. 
So now you're looking at ages 35, 36, 37 on a three-year deal for a guy that plays hard minutes and plays a hard style. But at the same time... He does turn 34 this month. At the same time, man, if you ever wanted one of your young guys to get an education, who better on this team right now than Chris Tanev to give that education? So if you're not getting the return that you want, his internal value to the Calgary Flames on a three-year extension at four per whatever the ask is going to be might just be worth more than the, you know, the second or third round pick in a B or C prospect that you might fetch for him at the trade deadline. Uh, let's read some texts at 960-960. Mike says, what's the point of not retaining Zadorov if they're just going to keep Tanev? Tanev must be traded especially if there's lots of teams interested. He can be re-signed in the summer if he wants, but the assets are more important to this organization at the moment given the team's overall outlook. Uh, this says 100% re-sign him. The reason you may get more than expected is because of those intangibles with hopefully a younger team. Don't give him away and then complain young guys are floundering. This says if Tanev would re-sign, then do it. This says Tanev's elite at defending, so trade him before he gets hurt. Um, this says Tanev isn't going to sign a two-year contract. You think a guy negotiating his last contract is going to take a two-year deal? Idiot. Why do you? I'm not. A, why do you got to be a jerk? No, about no it? he can. He can. You know what? No, if he no, wants to I do just, that, but... let me let me finish Go. my point. You first. Like, be a human being. Why? Why do you got to throw idiots on the end of it? Like, it's a fair text. We'll read you. Like, don't be a knob and say idiots at the end. I don't understand why you got to be such an absolute a-hole. Like that. That is so unnecessary. Anywho, I agree. I don't think he would sign a two-year deal. And that is a perfectly fine text, but Mr. Savant at, uh, what, it's 98.50. You are the smartest hockey man on the planet, so clearly you get to call us idiots. Well, Goodness, we some of that stuff bothers me some. We weren't saying Chris Tanev's camp would accept a two-year deal. We were talking about this from a Calgary Flames perspective. Would you resign Chris Tanev? That would be the threshold for me. And if the other camp wants a longer term, that's where I get a little squirrely on the conversation about re-signing Chris Tanev. Because I don't know if I want a three-year term on a Chris Tanev contract. And it, Tanev's camp would be in the perfect right to say, you know what? No, we want to have that three years or we want four years, whatever the term is. They're well within their rights to. But we were discussing it from a, should the Calgary Flames re-sign Chris Tanev, extend Chris Tanev? And if that's the term that I am comfortable from a team perspective being, that's fine. Tanev's camp doesn't have to agree to that thought process. Uh, this says who uh, most 30-plus-year-old players want a contract that's longer than is generally palatable. The discussion should be, do you resign him for five or six? And in that case, I probably don't no. with the way this thing is going. Um I wonder if Tanev is interested in signing with a team that may potentially retool. I'd like to keep him, but worry about his age, especially given his style of play. My gut says if you're rebuilding your team, good asset manage would be would be trading him near the deadline. He'd be a great fit for any team pushing for the playoffs. If you retain, you could potentially get a haul. On the other hand, I'd be 100% happy if he re-signed. That comes from Jeff. My final point before we move uh, to inside hockey is that if I were to weigh everything... I still think trading him is the way to go. I just uh, don't necessarily think it is the dumbest idea to have the conversation about re-signing him if it would make sense term-wise for the team. He'd be an insulator for young defensemen. He'd be a mentor for young defensemen. And the text line touched on it a couple of times. If you could find a scenario where you trade him at the day trade deadline and then bring him back in the offseason, 
It's 100% win-win. Okay, let's go inside hockey. It's Steinberg and Vickers along with you. Inside hockey's for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. And if Tanev, for instance, does end up getting dealt, there would be a spot for a right-shot defenseman. And all of a sudden, the Flames have added a new right-shot defenseman to the fold. They signed Mark Pesic to a one-year contract at NHL minimum on Saturday. He cleared waivers Sunday afternoon. He's been assigned to the AHL Wranglers, and he's going to get some time down there because he has had an arduous road back to playing over the last little while. And I had a chance to chat with uh, Mark over the weekend. He, he's going to break down his arduous road back because it has been a grind I think there's a chance, though, that we see Mark Pesic playing for the Flames in the not-so-distant future. Here's uh, our chat with Mark Pesic from over the weekend. It's already available wherever you get your podcasts right now. Uh, but he told us how the whole signing with the Flames came about when I chatted with him on Saturday. Um, yeah, so I got uh, released from my PTO in Pittsburgh um, on Monday afternoon um, and then just headed home to Edmonton here. And, yeah, my agent just... Uh, you know, asked around, see if there was anything available, any teams interested. And uh, fortunately enough, um, you know, Calgary right down the road here uh, showed some interest and we were absolutely thrilled uh, that they, that they offered something. And uh, so I'm super excited. Family's excited and can't wait to get things going now. Well, yeah. What's it? uh, You're a Sherwood park guy. You're a former crusader. You're a Edmonton oil King. What's it like being back in Alberta for the first time in, in more than a decade? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely weird being here. Um, we were here for the COVID year um, this late, uh, but other than that, I haven't been in Alberta, you know, into December in a long time. Um, it's it's exciting. <laughs> I got um, you know, got to see the kids, my wife, uh, both sets of grandparents, everybody, um, you know, in early December, which is odd, but um, it's it's definitely exciting, and we're we're happy to be so close to home for sure. So weird to uh, be signing with the Flames. Like I know you're a pro, and and you've been in the uh, you've been in pro hockey for more than a decade now. But you know, growing up in Edmonton, kind of strange to be signing with the Flames. Yeah, a little bit. But you know what? Growing up, I uh, my grandfather was a huge Flames fan. He lived okay. in Calgary, and and I uh, my favorite player growing up was Jerome McGinley. So it was, uh, you know, I I think I was a bigger Flames fan. Uh, growing up, so this is uh, even more exciting for me. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll see. Then uh, you're already endearing yeah. yourself to people. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what 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 do you know about this version of the Flames? What uh, as as you sign with your new team, kind of what do you know about the Flames as you join them? Um, to be honest with you, not a whole lot. Um, I think that uh, they're on the right track. They just made a move on on the back end, trading Zadorov, um, but. I know Uyghur, I know uh, Huberto, so uh, it's good to catch up with them. But, um, you know, obviously going on a PTO to Pittsburgh and then just this coming up pretty quickly, I haven't been uh, haven't been following too closely, um, but I'm excited to, to join the Wranglers and, and see what happens this year. Tell us uh, now that we're, we're, we've gotten to know Mackenzie and, and Jonathan now that they've been here for a little while, but uh, tell us about, give, give us the Mark Pesic scouting report on, on Huberto and Uyghur. Rob, awesome guys. We had an absolute blast in uh, Florida playing with them. Um, both guys that were, uh, you know, away from the rink, always loved to have a good time um, and always fun to be around for sure. Um, and and I think on the ice that obviously 
McKenzie can can do it all there, and and Hubie, he's uh, you know a spectacular player. So uh, you got two good ones there. We're chatting with Mark Pesic, who just signed a one-year deal with the Calgary Flames today on this Saturday. Mark, tell tell us about the the last year and a bit for you. I know last year was was a real difficult one for you, and and there was a lot that went into last season. Just I, I guess take us back to the injury and what the road back has been like since everything kind of hit a little more than a year ago. Yeah, so it was last summer. Um, I tore my Achilles uh, right after signing with Detroit, so that was uh, putting me out for the start of the season. And then coming back, I was uh, skating there, and then I retore it, so that put me out for the full season, which was um, obviously not ideal. Um, but then had a good summer, and I think the timing of it, heading into the summer after rehabbing there and skating there, it. It was looking good. I was feeling great going into training camp, uh, you know, on the PTO with Pittsburgh. Um, feeling good going in. And then first uh, preseason game, I think it was my second shift, got a, a line A one-timer off the outside of the foot and <laughs> broke my foot after all the rehab and, <laughs> and training, trying to get back into the NHL. So that was uh, another tough pill to swallow for sure. But um Went down to Wilkes-Barre, played, uh, you know, played eight games, and and I was definitely feeling good by the end of those. What when you have just bad luck after bad luck after bad luck like that for for a stretch? What do you what do you learn about yourself? Like what 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 do you find in yourself to to be able to deal with some really brutal blows that you had next to no control over? Yeah, it's uh, it was definitely tough, but I. I I think my family, my, my wife and kids are the, are without a doubt, the reason that it was not easy, but it was easier to, to cope with some of that. You know, it, you come home from either the surgery or the rink after just a day of rehab and, and the kids really don't care that you have a boot on or you can't walk. They want you to crawl around the floor <laughs> and jump and tackle and wrestle with you. So life, life didn't, didn't change that much in that sense. Um, obviously my wife had to, you know, carry both kids, put stuff in the car when we're going anywhere. But um, I think that was it, just getting away from the rink and, and sort of switching my mind off from that and, and realizing that, yeah, it is out of my control and and just doing everything I can to, to get back to where I want to be. What goes into coming back from one Achilles injury, at, let alone two? But, like, can, can you maybe give us a, a little bit of a – feel as to how grueling that process can be as you work your way back uh it's definitely slow um and it's odd just the feeling of for me at least i I don't think i can speak to everybody but the the nerves on top of my foot around the foot uh there's a lot of sensations that just come out of nowhere really and and other than that a ton of calf raises which i think in the last year i've probably (laughs) done 13 million calf raises which um and and my and my calf still looks like <laughs> nothing it still looks like a string bean um but other than that you've got the hockey player legs yeah, yeah it's not it's nothing to look at right now but um it is it is uh just odd when you get out of that boot and you don't have that you know push off with your toe um just getting that back is definitely and every step and every time you try to push it a little more, there's still that uncertainty in your mind, which uh, is it's gone now that I've played and, and I can run and stuff like that. But those first few months, it's definitely an odd feeling. 
when you go when you go through a couple major injuries like that, then you break your foot when you're finally back at training camp. What does it or has it made it so that some of the other things that you know maybe earlier in your career would have been really difficult to deal with? Does it give you a new perspective when you go through other adverse situations now? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I and like I said, it was I was lucky enough that I had a contract in Detroit the first time, so yep. I, I was around the guys, and that that helped too. You know, everybody was super inclusive of me and my wife and and family there when we were there, even though we weren't we didn't play one single game. Um, and there is, yeah, there's injuries are going to happen. I mean, it's that's just the nature of the business. And first game back, block a shot. That's obviously horrible luck, but that's going to happen and and the timing of it is definitely unfortunate but um that's just just the way it goes and um you know we've had i've had a decent time in the nhl lengthwise um so looking back with no major injuries up until that point really um i had been quite fortunate up until that point just a few more with uh, Mark Pesic, who signs a one-year deal with the Flames on this Saturday. So how how are you feeling now? You mentioned you got the eight games in with Wilkes-Barre in the American League, and, and you've finally been able to get back playing regularly again. How how does it feel? What's what's it like back being a hockey player full-time again? It feels great. Um, the first few games, I think my expectations may have been a little high on myself, just uh, you know after not really playing a competitive hockey game um in a regular season for many months but um by the you know third fourth game it was uh sort of back to normal I was confident in my foot which um felt really good and then after that came back I think it's just a matter of uh you know keep building that confidence and and getting back to where I was I think that's for sure possible so for uh, Flames fans who maybe uh maybe don't know a lot about you Mark what 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 do you bring to the table tell us about uh Mark Pesic the player yeah, um, nothing flashy, so don't don't be expecting too much uh, <laughs> flair or anything like that. <laughs> um, but no, just solid defensively. Uh, I like to I like to defend, um, you know, neatly and um, try to break up plays and and jump up a little bit on the offense and and just start the plays from our end and be quick, uh, quick in transition and that's about it. Yeah. Final thought for you. You mentioned kind of right off the hop, uh, there was a trade that was made a little earlier this week. I, I'm just curious as to the type of opportunity you see as you join your new team. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think um, just looking at myself coming back, um, I think if I can get back to where I where I was before the injury, I think there's a chance, uh, definitely a chance to get called up and, and you know, help an NHL team. And um, the fact that it's in Calgary, close to home, um, I think that just makes it even sweeter. Obviously, I need to need to get back to where I was, and I think I'm uh, I'm definitely on track for that. So we'll, we'll see how it goes here. Well, Mark, really appreciate the time. Awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much for doing this today. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. That is Mark Pesic. Had an opportunity to chat with him on Saturday. He signs a one-year deal with the Flames and. Yeah, it seems like a guy, first of all, seems like a great guy to head down to the Wranglers, which is where he's going to start and uh, get some time down there, work with some of the young defensemen. But I also think more than 500 NHL games to his name, a right shot defender working his way back. Wouldn't be a surprise if you uh, saw him 
on the Flames roster, especially depending on which way they decide to go with some of these moves over the last little bit. That entire conversation up for you uh, wherever you get your podcasts uh, as uh, kind of a, a bonus package and also on this hour of Flames Talk. Mark Pesic inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in-store today. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, it's uh, time to take a look at the future of the Flames. The future of the Flames brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they intend to empower cancer patients, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Com. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you on this Monday edition of Flames Talk. And on Mondays, we chat with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Trent Cole joins us now after a very successful weekend. Uh, over the weekend, Wranglers take 2-1 and 7-4 road wins against the Henderson Silver Knights. 2-1 uh, on Friday, 7-4 on Sunday. Now up to 15-4-1. The Wranglers remain the top team in the AHL's Pacific Division. We say hello to the head coach of the Wranglers, Trent Cole right now trent as always appreciate the time how are we doing today doing good boys doing good just got back from vegas today and uh unpacking some stuff so just uh, starting to move back in if you like and this is uh this is one of the times where what happens in vegas doesn't have to stay there a couple of big wins for your uh for your group tell us about uh tell us about a pair of wins over henderson on the weekend yeah no you know what first night we were in there friday it felt like it was just a good like uh hard checking game, uh, close score. Uh, it was good. I, I really liked our, our team's performance. That's the first time we had talked since last weekend about getting some rest and what was the right recipe for us last week and what we need, you know, how we needed to play and get back to. And, uh, I really liked our game. So it was good. And then, uh, yesterday we played, it was kind of a, an odd game. Uh, just, uh, sometimes you run into those at different hours, five o'clock, whatever on a Sunday. Uh, but we found a way to, uh, to tie into some offense, and uh, there was a lot of penalties throughout the game too. So uh, um, the other team had some opportunities five on three as well. But uh, but yeah, I really liked the the way that we found some offense, and, and it was great to get four points for sure. I I do wonder as uh, when we spoke last week, Trent, you talked about geez, like the guys were were feeling it after just a grueling schedule for a couple of weeks, and you gave them not one, but but even an additional day off without coming to the rink and hitting the ice for practice. Do you think do you think that paid off for you this weekend? Do you think that a little extra rest came in handy? For sure. I just think that, uh, you know, like, and sometimes in our, our career too, like a lot of the days off are kind of uh, not business days. So it's nice for sometimes like the guys not to come to the rink uh, you know, they can go whether they've got, you know, things to do or, or life things, you know what I mean? So sometimes it's nice and you jam those things up if you get a, a, maybe a day or every week or a day every two weeks. And so it was nice for those guys, I think, just to catch their breath, be able to kind of maybe catch up with their family or dogs or kids or whatever it is, and then be able to get catch up on life a little bit. And so then you come to the rink mentally refreshed, physically refreshed, and I thought we, we were better for it. So you win, and, and you talked about kind of a, a weird one, weird start time on Sunday, but two drastically different games in terms of scores anyway, a low-scoring grind-em-out one where, you know, you never had more than a two-goal lead in the game, and then, as you mentioned, 11 goals get scored a couple days later. Just, uh, again, same team uh, on the same weekend, and you're able to win games in, in different ways. What does that tell you about your group? 
Uh, it's it's good. I mean, we we we're still suffering from a little bit of like you know we're missing some players, you know, and uh, we don't have Sutter, we don't have Bellant, uh, Bish. We did, we lost him, uh, Clark Bishop, halfway through the game last game too. So there's a lot of other different guys that are kind of stepping in and, and having opportunities to play, and I think are, are doing a good job. And uh, and sometimes when you get up in those games like yesterday things get a little different and all of a sudden there's a couple of penalties and then they get a couple of goals back. And that's like, Holy, you know, like as opposed to something that was in the driver's seat and done, I thought five on five and all of a sudden with penalties, you know, anything can happen. So, and then that happened to us in the third period, but, uh, but overall great to get four points. That's for sure. You talk about, you talk about, you know, being a beat up group and, and there's been some injuries. There's been some recalls over the last few weeks here. And, you know, on, on your back, you've, you've seen that as well. There's been a lot of shuffling on defense with your group. I'm just curious what getting a veteran like uh, Mark Pesic, who we spoke to earlier this hour, what, what does bringing a guy like Mark Pesic, an NHL vet, into your group do for the team? I think it's going to be great. I mean, it's. Uh, you, I mean, don't need to tell everybody here when you, when when you trade a defenseman out of the organization, and obviously you you take one from us here. It just means that you're missing that body, right? So like all of a sudden now, if another injury happens and there's another recall that's coming from here, when you don't replace those bodies, or, or where do you get those bodies from? So. Uh, Mark was available to us, uh, you know, for, for free in essence. There's not a trade. There's not anything happening. So, and a guy who's got that resume, I think it was a great fit. Great job by uh, my bosses. That's for sure. Bring him in. And, and uh, he's a guy who missed last year with injury. Uh, I'm sure you guys talked about it, but yeah. uh and so now it's good for him to kind of get in and get up and running and we'll see where he, you know, where he gets to, but it's a pleasure. That's for sure. I've heard nothing but good things about the, the guy and, 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 and the player, how he is with the room and, and his teammates. One, well, have you had a chance to, uh, to chat with him yet? I haven't talked to him. I sent him a text today, just about the timeline tomorrow, but we're, uh, having kind of a different uh, auxiliary day tomorrow. Certain guys are coming in, certain guys okay. are not, but he's one of those guys that's coming in, so I thought I'd sit down and talk to him face-to-face. So, But, yeah, I haven't had a chance to actually talk to him, just texted with him so far. Well, just in, and, and in talking with him and just reading, like some of, the, some of the different people around the NHL who have been around him, like everybody has, has rave reviews. So let's just assume for sake of the conversation those reviews are all true. Just what can – I'm, I'm curious, like – 500-plus NHL games, you know, he has, has been through a lot over the last 18 months. You've got still a, a relatively young group of defenses. That, that, having that type of guy come in to work with some of your young defensemen, what type of value could there be in that? Oh, it could be great. That's what we're looking at. And then just on a, a flip side of that, too, we have, you know, a balance of left and right shots, which we have not had yet this year. We've always had guys playing left uh, shots, playing on the right side. So uh, it could get us back to a situation where, um, you know, we could just have left and rights and, and good partners the whole way through. And that, that could, that sometimes is, I think is very rewarding just on how you play, how you move pucks through the neutral zone, D zone, and also offensively when you have guys on their proper sides, it makes it much easier for those guys to contribute and help out in the offensive zone. So, uh, but like you said, I've, I think he'll be great for our group. I know some of the guys know him. I was talking to Dryden about uh, Dryden Hunt about him. He's known from the past as well. Edmonton guy, Calgary guy. So it's, uh, I think it could be a really good fit for our group. That's for sure. We're chatting with Trent Cull. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Joins us Mondays here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. Aaron. 
Coach, one of the guys you lost via recall is Ilya Solovyov, who, of course, joins the Flames. I'm just curious, what were your observations of him after he returned from his first recall last month? Well, I thought he uh, he came back in, and and I thought, like, sometimes I think you guys pick right back up where he is. And one thing about Solo, he's not like, you're not going to come and say he's extremely flashy or or, uh, uh, he he maybe jumps out at you. But you know what? He's a great defender. Uh, I love how... When he's on, he's moving. That he's making that first pass, which is really key. And sometimes he can make that pass like through those uh, through opposition players, which is tough to do, which is really going to help him at the NHL level. And the other thing is he's great. He's great as a penalty killer. He eats pucks. And uh, one little thing that we had kind of our thing me and him had together was just about and I call it killing plays. And what that means is like when you're going, you're getting through a guy's hands, you're stopping another player's momentum with through body contact, but then also obtaining puck play after that and getting that puck. And I think he's done a really good job with that. And we would talk about that a lot. And that's something that I think will help him at the next level too. You mentioned the defense and the PK work and all that. Are those the traits that make him a potential full-time NHLer in your eyes? Is that his meal ticket, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, like he's not he's not going to run the power play or you know what I mean like he's got to be good defensively. He has to be a difficult guy to play against and he has to be able to to make that first pass. I think those are his uh, I think every, you know, my experience is you have to have those uh, abilities if you're not an offensive guy. You have to be able to, to chew those minutes and you have to be able to play against other teams' good players. So I think that's exactly what Solo can do. That's hopefully the, the high end, the, the, the part that we want him to reach. And uh, part of the penalty kill and eating pucks, I think that's just a great attribute to have to go along with those things. The movement on the blue line that you've seen will lead to some opportunity for some other guys, Mark Pissick being one of them. But I'm curious, how does a player like Jan Kuznetsov sees the potential of having more opportunity on the blue line? Uh, I think that, you know, I don't know if we, we don't talk necessarily about the opportunity there. I think we just talk about how we're playing. And I've, I've liked Kuzi. I think that, uh, you know, one thing like, like solo leading, Kuzi's taking a bigger uh, step into the PK. And I think that uh, not much different. Some of the conversations I was having with Solo is that we're having with Jan right now. And so I think his puck play has increased uh, and he's doing a better job. But I also think like he's taken pride in that defending and take and confident in his ability of being big and strong. And again, I talk about those killing those plays, which is a huge thing to do. So those, those things don't get through you. Pucks don't get around you. Players don't either. And that's really a huge part for our group to learn that as young defensemen. And then for that part, if they get that uh, done down here, I think that really helps them. They're, they're, like you said, opportunity maybe down the road to play up for the Flames. You touched on a couple of his characteristics. How would you describe him as a player or maybe compare and contrast his game with Solovyov? Well, very comparable players. You know, I think that uh, two big guys, they both skate well. Like uh, Jan, I think, has got some uh, some good speed. He's got a great shot. Actually, like he's had a golden assist yesterday, you know what I mean, just because he, he's finding a way to get those pucks through from the point. So uh, he's adding in the other end, which is probably not something we were looking for him to do. But um, but overall, like watching video today on, on the plane, you know, like I've been liking his PK and how he's been playing and how he's – He's blocking shots too, and, and these guys have done a great job here um, before me of just having those guys buy into that. And it's a, it's a it's a it's a badge of honor to do that, and it's great. And I'm glad that we're kind of still focused on it and keep pushing it because uh, I think that that that'll pay huge dividends for those guys as they develop and then hopefully move along to the next level. 
Uh, just chatting with uh, Trent Cull. It's our regular Monday conversation with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. They picked up wins 14 and 15 over the weekend over the Henderson Silver Knights and now back for two on home ice this weekend. It's a Friday night game against the Manitoba Moose and then Sunday afternoon against the number one affiliate of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, be your second look at, at the Moose this season, Coach. Uh, you saw them to open up the year on the road. What uh, what should we be expecting? What are the Moose uh, what are the moose all about? And what type of challenges do they present this coming weekend? You always ask me these questions on Monday after I've just come back. From <laughs> I know it's the else. worst. I'm like, Can you give me a second to actually figure out? <laughs> so give me your anyways, pre-scout honest, right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, no. You know what? Um, they're 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 always they're well coached. I, I know the Mark Morris. Uh, he's head coach there. Nolan Baumgartner. You guys have probably know him from the past around here locally. But uh, just they're well coached. They're a good team. They have guys in and out. I think it always depends too, uh, as we all do, on the parent club and how healthy they are and the call ups and where they are at. So that'll be make a difference as the maybe some of the high end or skill that they have. And uh, but they're always usually a good sized team. They skate well. That's the Winnipeg way. And you know, and they and they're good checkers. I mean, they've always been. Uh, so we went in there the last game. I think we had a good first game, and then the second game we were up by a couple goals. They battled back on us and they ended up beating us in overtime. So we know we'll have our hands full for sure. Guy gets back from a two game road trip. Just gets back today, and then I'm asking him to look Vegas, ahead to no a game on too. Friday. That's <laughs> tough crowd. <laughs> Uh, that was, I, was just, I was just being honest with you. I haven't I haven't done too much <laughs> no, to I, get prepared for next weekend. You know, I didn't even I didn't even think about it until until you said like, yeah, that's a good point. Like you're just getting back, probably haven't dove deep into the opponent you don't play. If you were playing them tomorrow, it might be different, but you don't play them until Friday. That that probably makes a probably makes a lot of sense. Uh, Trent, uh, first of all, the, you still nailed it with the with the scouting report on on the moose. So well done. Uh, and we'll talk to you again next week. Maybe I'll uh, I'll same thing. You play on Sunday. We talk to you on Monday. So maybe I'll forget that question next week. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good, boys. But yeah, I'm still working on Vegas and how we did, and uh, so we can have some solutions too. I never want to give up four goals, so I want to be tighter than that. <laughs> well, congrats on a couple wings over wins over the weekend, Coach, uh, and welcome back. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for doing this as always. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. That's Trent Cole, head coach of the Calgary Rangers. He joins us on Monday. I uh, didn't even think about that, and and hadn't just. Oh yeah, tell us about. Tell every, us your next every time the last like four or five weeks, they've just gotten back or they've just finished. Literally, like last week, they had to, I think they had to connect or they had they had the, some staggered travel and he was out real early, came back in from Ontario. They just lost the night before. I'm asking him about Henderson. They hadn't seen him yet this year. Never thought about that. That's uh, something to file good, away for next week. That's good to consider for next week. I like that. Uh, that's the future of the Flames. Head coach Trent Cull of the Calgary Wranglers. Future of the Flames brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. As we start to wrap things up on this hour of Flames Talk, Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. Taylor and Cam have been our producers. And, uh, yeah, another hour in the books. Thanks so much for joining us. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.